Hello, and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast. I'm Carrie. And I'm Tanya. We are both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steamy cup of coffee. This is episode 151. Today, we are sharing some tips from the trenches that might make your teaching life easier. We'll also talk about our highs and lows from the teaching week, discuss some ideas in our No Better, Do Better segment, share a work smarter, not harder teacher tip, And in our CODA section, we'll give some of our favorite recommendations of things we are enjoying in or out of the classroom. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. And it's time for our highs and lows from the teaching week. But first, we would like to give a shout out to Voke, the Virginia Organization of Kodai Educators. Uh, thank you for coming out to our workshop, our Work Smarter, Not Harder uh, Double Duty Songs workshop. And just a little reminder that if you would like Carrie and I to come out or me or just Carrie, you know, whatever you would like, uh, please feel free to contact us through musicteachercoffeetalk at gmail.com. We love getting out and um, seeing folks in music ed, and um, yeah, we are available. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Voke. All right. Shall I go first? Yeah, you should. Tell okay. us. Highs or lows? What's going on? Well, I want to share a high that is related to our podcast, Tanya. So, you know, we we have been recording this podcast for five years and 151 episodes. And, you know, sometimes we just do it just because it's fun. And we don't really always remember that people are listening um, because, you know, we're just talking into a microphone. But we received a very sweet message from a listener on Instagram that I just wanted to share. And this is in reference to our last episode, which was episode 150, where we talked about what to do when you have, quote, that class, the class that's really giving you a hard time. And we shared, you know, some some realness in that podcast as we always do of things that we're going through and things that we're trying and um, so this listener wrote to us and said this last episode on that class was so helpful both with ideas and with not feeling alone in those moments thank you for your transparency and your continuous challenge to expand my thinking so thank you to that dear listener who wrote that message to us Um, you know we just always really appreciate knowing that we're helping in some way, even if it is just commiserating and being like, yeah, I'm going through that too. So, um, you know, send us a message, leave us a review on iTunes, um, because all of those things are really helpful to us and and fuels us to keep going with this. So, so that's my high. Um, Things at school are good too, but I just wanted to make that be my high this week. Oh, yay. Yeah, that's totally. uh, Love hearing that people listen and that they find something useful for sure. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Tanya? Um, okay. Well, it's been a very stressful beginning of the year, but I'm still going to, I'm looking for highs. So I'm going to share um, a high and it's kind of similar to what I mentioned on our last episode when we were talking about that class. So I find that I let that negativity bias color my day, right? That whole like, wow, i these kids have said they they love music or they love this song or whatever but then that one student says something just you know they're they're young they're rude sometimes Mm -hmm. um as lots of people who are not children are sometimes and 
we all have our times. Anyway, um, so at the end of with the older kids at the end of each unit that I'm doing, I'm doing a little Google form where they fill out. Um, I say, grade yourself. What did you think of this unit? Um, what did you learn from this unit? And because I really want them to take away like, oh, this is applicable to my life in these ways. And we're always reaching out to make sure that they understand a bigger picture of it's not just music for this. I mean, it is the music for the sake of music, but how it relates to them and their family and their society and their culture at large and, and all of these bigger picture things. Anyway, uh, but I always end this these forms with, is there something you want to tell Miss Lejeune? And sometimes they go, nope. And sometimes they go, hi. And sometimes they get specific. And so um, it was a high as I was coming out of a unit with fifth graders and a unit that I was like, not sure about because it was a struggle to get them to really do the work to like, for real, to dig deep. Um, and I was pleasantly surprised that most kids, even the ones that I had to push a little bit, um, said how much they liked the unit and how much they appreciated it. And it was just a good reminder that what you might see daily on the surface is not necessarily what's really going on. And when you get that individual written feedback from a kid where they can just be totally transparent, um, that's really a great takeaway for me um, because a lot of kids would not say things like they've said in written form. They wouldn't say it out loud in front of their class. Right. I know there's a lot of social currency attached to that. And so that was just really nice to go, okay, well, I don't know what I don't know until I ask them and asking them in a room full of their peers is not the best way, at least for this group of kids. So that was a high. Yay. I was a little nervous when I said, what do you, anything else you want to tell Miss Lejeune? I was really <laughs> thought, okay, now I'm opening myself up to like, yeah, she sucks. Yeah. Get out of here with this garbage. Yeah. Go back to, I don't know. Anyway, didn't get any of that. Yeah. So awesome. Yay. Yay. So now it is time for our main theme, and today we are giving some tips from the trenches. If you have listened to this podcast before, you probably know we have a segment where we call it Work Smarter, Not Harder Teacher Tips, where we give little tips about lots of different things. So this is kind of our, our biggies. Like These are our favorite Work Smarter, Not Harder Teacher Tips that have lasted the test of time because Tanya and I both have been teaching over 20 years apiece. I'm at 23, and Tanya's at... 27, right? 27. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like these are, are my go-tos, Tanya's go-tos, the things that I come back to time and time again um, that I know are going to save me time and sanity along the way. And maybe we've mentioned some of these in past podcasts before, but they're worth repeating because they're good ones. So yes, tips from yeah. the trenches from two teachers who are in it. We are teaching children every day, all day, full-time teachers. And um here we go. We're going to, we broke these down into categories and we'll just popcorn back and forth and each give a couple in each category. So starting with planning, lesson planning, and then just general things for your classroom and teaching, daily teaching. So Tanya, why don't you start us off? 
All right. So planning in classroom, I'm going to really zone in on the planning part. And there have been books, there have been podcasts, we could do, you know, a whole thing. And maybe we have about like getting into planning um, and how to do it. But of course, you have to do what's works for you. And my planning time at school is 45 minutes. And it's at the very beginning of the day before I see any classes. I don't love that time because um, I am a morning person. And in the morning, um, I've got lots of different thoughts of all the things that need to happen and all the moving parts. And it's really hard for me to stay on track. So when I am at school and it is my planning time and I want to, of course, use it as productively as possible, I have found that it works for me to set a timer and to dedicate like 10 minutes or 15 minutes towards just one task and to not get sidetracked from that one task. So maybe I'll set a timer and say, next 15 minutes, um, I need to really work on the third grade mini musical that I am making happen with my third graders out of a book. And um, I'm only focused on that. And I might even get more specific on it and say, I'm only focused on song arrangements for that because you know, if I say it's just about the mini musical, I could be putting out emails to parents. I could be, you know, there's so many things that I could legitimately say, well, this is about that topic, but I kind of zone in. I have to get a little more specific. Now, second part about this is while I am taking my 15 minutes to focus in on just the arrangements of the songs for this mini musical, if I have intruding thoughts, because I will, I'll have lots um, that are really important and I don't want to forget, but I can't stop everything to go down that rabbit hole. I keep a pad of paper or I'm a big fan of big index cards just next to myself. Like I'm usually on the laptop doing the thing I'm focused on and I will just jot down. Oh yeah. But don't forget also to send out choir emails about the next rehearsal. Right. And then I go, go, go. And of course, another intruding thought might be not even school related. And I just dump everything on that pad of paper, but I can't take too long on that. So I can't just start dumping like all my to do's. It's just get that out of my head on paper and go back to the thing. Um, and I have to be really disciplined about it for me to nice. get things done because I easily fall into the trap of side project, side project, side project, and not get anything done Yeah, or get little things done, but not a big thing. Sure. So. Oh, that's awesome. So that's a thing for me. Cool. Um, daily that I need to do. Nice. All and right. You. So I'll talk about a thing that I do daily as well. So, well, not daily. It depends on the day. So one of the things we're blessed and cursed with as music teachers is we teach every lesson multiple times, unless you teach in some tiny little school where only, you're only seeing one class per grade level. But in my world, I see four classes per grade level, or it's common to see three, right? And whether you see your kids on like a everyday rotation where you see class A, then B, then C, or you're like Tanya, where you see the same class for a week, and then you don't see them again, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes by the time you come back to that lesson plan that you taught 
the first time to class A, you kind of forget what you did. So it's not necessarily about the planning piece because everybody has their own way of planning, whether you are a hand writer or a digital planner, whether you just have very simple bullet points or whether you write everything out. That's not necessarily what I'm talking about, but my tip is to go back to the plan that you wrote, however you did it, and then make notes about what you actually did. <laughs> um, this is something that I do every time it's a new lesson day, right? Because it'll be like a new lesson day for all my classes on, in that same day. And at the end of the day, I'll just take five minutes and I'm someone who I'll, I type my lesson plans um, on Google Doc and then I print it out. So I do have a hard copy that I keep in a binder of every lesson plan and it's just a one pager for each plan. And then I take a pencil and I actually mark and draw arrows of actually switch the order of this or I didn't get to this or I did this instead on the fly because then what I want to try to do is mimic the same lesson with the other classes so that I don't have that situation where class B I start singing a song that I go remember that we did this one last time and they go huh or we've already done that before you know so anyways five minutes on the days that you're teaching a new lesson um, to actually write down what you did so you can mimic it with the other class, whether you're handwriting it or, you know, if it's a Google Doc and you're just highlighting and commenting for yourself, just some way to make notes of it. It's worth it in the end to take the time to do yes. it. I have started, uh, well, I've been doing that digitally and I've been digital for a while now and I have like a strike through. I just strike through, hey, we didn't get to this and then I'll put in parentheses, trying on Tuesday or whatever it is, trying on the next lesson. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's very helpful because yeah, I, I will teach a lesson um, on Monday and the next time I'll, I'll teach it the subsequent Mondays. So the third time I teach it, the first time I taught it, it was two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. For me, since I have four classes per grades with weeks off for holidays and things, sometimes it's a full month before I teach that lesson to the last class. Yeah. So it's tedious, but if I don't write it down, there's no way I'm going to remember. So that is important. Do you have okay. another planning and classroom tip, Tanya? You or know, do you want me to I, go ahead and give another one now? You should go give your other one now because I moved one from, from planning and classroom into productivity and organization. More. Got it. Well, and you did so. a twofer on your first one. I so did. So please oh, tell us good. more. So you mentioned uh, mini musical programs and I'm in the thick of it now. I've got a fifth grade program coming up in just a couple of weeks and then a few weeks later, a second grade program and then an April fourth grade program. So I'm kind of in this time where like things are overlapping and on top of each other. So this is a tip about parent communication and I call it the one, two, three tip. So for me, I always try to remember to give my parents three communications about the program and it might be via paper or it might be email or it might be class dojo, it might be a combination of those things, but I want to make sure I've had three touch points with parents. Um, one is at least one month before the program, and this is in addition to it being on the school calendar that hopefully they've seen it and they've seen that it's coming, but one month ahead of time giving them the date, the time, and you know, pretty much all the details that I can. And then two, uh, two weeks before I send another reminder home. Um, so if I did paper for the first one, maybe I'll do an email for this one. And then three, three days before the program, because I find if I just wait to do it the day before or the day of, sometimes it doesn't make it home, <laughs> whether it's a paper or an email that parents don't check their email regularly. So one, two, three is one month ahead of time, two weeks ahead of time, three days ahead of time, and any combination of paper or electronic. But I definitely suggest doing a combination 
because if you do all one or all the other, I feel like you're not hitting the needs of all of your families, um, you know, and you have to know your school and what works well for your families. But that's my one, two, three rule. And it helps me to schedule out when I'm going to be sending all that stuff home. Yes. Awesome. Cool. So let's move on to some tech tips. We can go nuts with these, but here are just some of our favorite tech tips. So Tanya, why don't you start off with that one? Um, I would like to preface this by, I don't know, reminding everybody that I'm old. No, remind, just reminding myself that when I started teaching, there was like three computers in the library. Yeah. And not everybody had a laptop. Not everybody had a desktop. Um, it was not, I mean, it was the nineties. It was the nineties. So we were starting of course with more computers, but there was like a computer lab for the good, a good first eight years of my teaching. Most of the computing happened in the computer lab. Yeah. Um, and so I have changed my ways as most people of my generation have learned to do um, that. Yeah. I, I think I'm very thankful that I have the tech that I have now and I, I know how to use it pretty well. I could always get better, but anyway. Um, so yeah, I am a digital planner now and I've embraced Google and Google slides is my friend. And um, yeah, it's good because I can look back on things that I've done last year or two years ago. And um, I just wanted to talk about some organizational things for Google. I saw a teacher on a Facebook group the other day who said, hey, I want to start using Canva for everything, but now I'm a little worried because I have so much in Google. And does that mean all my Google stuff, you know, I have to convert and blah, blah, blah. Um, being a big fan of smart boards for years and years and years and building everything in smart board and having so much time and energy and in, in smart board stuff. Um, when I started not using smart boards because they discontinued use in our district, I did not remake everything. So this is just a little heads up. Maybe don't make everything all over again um, because times change and teachers change and um, maybe the way you do things change and you just drive yourself crazy. Um, if you have a long career, things are going to change over time and just go for it and and don't worry about rebuilding everything. You look like you want to say something to the contrary, Carrie. No, no, no. I totally agree. No, I totally okay. agree. Okay. All right. Yeah. So now platforms like, change I've, and it's it's frustrating. Platforms change. So all that to say, I'm happy with Google Slides. Does that mean that forever now Google Slides? No, if something else that I have to use, I will adjust, but that does not mean that I'm necessarily making everything over again. Right. Um, you drive yourself crazy if you try right. to do that because times change. All right. So, um, I love folders and color coding my folders. So can I, uh, share okay. my screen? Cool. Cause I'll just show just some very basic organization that I bet everybody already does anyway. Um, but you know, just in case I like to see, um, organization via color and here we go. So I break up everything. Where is my screen? I can see your screen. Can you see? I can see your folders that are colorful. Okay, cool. Do you see all the garbage on my desktop too? No, I can only see your tab with your screen. Okay. 
not it's not garbage it's just not it's that's not a work smarter not harder teacher tip that you want to it share. is not <laughs> clean up your clutter people yeah. like do no not i do can only see this one tab i'm assuming that's okay what you wanted. this is what i wanted yeah mm -hmm. uh so i just break things down um by uh, rotations, units, I call them units because mm -hmm. I see kids for a week at a time. And so I just number my folders. So you can see number one, and this is from 22, 23, actually, because mm -hmm. I'm still a work in progress for this current school year. And so when you number them, then they come up in number order. Mm -hmm. And you see up top here, I've got this asterisk number one, lesson plans and Google slide presentations. That's from even the previous year. So I can have that this is all in a bigger folder of music lesson plans, Yeah. right? So I've got um, last year's color-coded, you know, and it's in rainbow order. And this shows that I see kids pretty much 12 times, 12 units, 12 five-day blocks, but sometimes it's less um, for the entire school year. Yeah. And then I've got my music sub-plans folder down there. And then, oh, see, I got to move some things there. <laughs> um, yeah, move it. And yeah, so it's just something that, uh, any, any little tiny thing that I can do that pleases me while I'm in the muckety muck is worth doing. And for me, that was doing rainbow order and numbering things. So they pop up in this very specific order so I can go. And as I'm planning for, um, the next month, like, wow, did we get to law with the first grade by unit? nine, I can go back and go, no, we did not. Or yes, we did. And oh, wait, I'm going to grab these Google slides. So within all these folders, I have um, Google slide presentations. I usually have one slideshow presentation per lesson, even if it's just um, a page with the song title at the top and like a picture of a grizzly bear. Mm -hmm. um, and this is helpful when I am teaching and I can just use my remote and click to the next uh, slide and go, oh yeah, that's right. We're doing Lucy Lockett next and go to town. So yeah. Um, I'm a fan of color coordinated organization, numbering things, and the asterisk is for last year so I can refer to it. And that's just something that has been helpful to me. Awesome. I color code my folders too. That's I so know funny. You do. It brings me joy. I know, me too. All right. So my tech tip is just to recommend using Canva. Canva is a program that allows you to design all sorts of things. Um, in our district, if we log in with like our district account, we have access to like educational Canva or premium Canva, or I don't know what you call it. So we even have access to a lot of the things that are locked if you just log in with a personal free account. Um, but I will show you an example of something and really specifically for worksheets. I um, have a bunch of old handmade worksheets that have stuck around for a very long time and I'm very slowly digitizing some of these things and then as I'm doing it I'm making new things because it's like wow Canva can do this so here's an example can you see my my leaves Tanya I can okay yes, this beautiful. is an example of a Canva template that I was able to find so I wanted to have my students this was a third grade workshop uh, worksheet from earlier in the year they hadn't learned Ray yet so they were looking for for sulfa patterns of do, mi, so, and la, as we were also 
preparing Ray and I was going to be gone and I was going to have a sub. So I thought, you know, doing a color by Sulfa type thing is a great thing to do when you have a sub, right? Um, and my sub was a music sub too. So she actually understood the assignment. <laughs> so all that to say, um, when I created this worksheet, I think I just searched for like autumn leaves coloring and it kind of came up with you know these leaves and then obviously then i had to create all of these boxes and create the little things but the cool thing about canva is like once you create something you know you can just duplicate it as i'm doing right now and you can get a whole bunch more of that same thing it's really easy to move things around the other nice thing i love about canva is like it lines it up for you as you're creating it and it kind of gives you spacing suggestions um it gives you color suggestions if you're doing a design that has lots of different colors in it it'll pull colors from your design and it just makes everything look really nice and cohesive um this worksheet all that to say i mean it maybe it took me 10 minutes to make maybe Ooh. 15 um which i don't think is bad considering i think it looks really nice and it's something that i'll use from year to year so just wanted to put a tip out there that canva is really great for lots of things but for me um worksheets is one of my favorite things to make with canva because they have so many things that are in there you know depending on your level of membership into canva you can create a free account and have access to a lot of things but if you have some sort of a premium account or education account you can make a lot more so i'm going to do one of our classic if you are interested in this autumn leaves coloring page i would be happy to give it to you just uh, write us a review please on itunes for our podcast and then um, send us an email at musicteachercoffeetalk at gmail.com i'd be happy to send you a pdf of these autumn leaves not making any money off of it it's just something that was created via canva but i'd be happy to share it with you so that's you can my change canva those tip leaves well i mean you're going to give a pdf I was like, they could be hearts. Valentine's well, Day. exactly. Yeah. Well, that's true. I suppose I could also, hmm. Okay. So now I'll say it both ways. If you okay, want I'm so to sorry. Me, I didn't mean to make more work for you. No, no, no. Because one of the cool things you can do is share a Canva project. So if oh. you are interested in me sharing the Canva project with you, so you can actually edit it and make it the way you want it to be. Um, Cause I know leaves are a little off season right now, but um if you would rather have the Canva version versus a PDF, um, just specify that in the email and I can probably send it like a copy of it that way. So then you can make it your own. Oh yeah. Cool. All cool. right. What's another tech tip, Tanya? All right. I'm sure. I mean, I keep saying this. Everybody does this. Um, I'm a big fan of scheduling emails. Like pretty much after we finish recording this podcast, I'm going to go and schedule an email to drop it like seven in the morning to my classroom teachers um, of kids that I want to bring Chromebooks for that day. And then I don't have to think about it tomorrow because that's one of those things I want to do it. And I don't want it to happen right this minute because if a teacher sees it on Sunday, because our teachers do check their email on Sunday, they could forget about it. I kind of want it to be like really fresh in the morning. So scheduling yeah. emails um here's the funny thing about scheduling emails though is that you might want to remind yourself somehow maybe in your calendar app or maybe as just a reminder that you already did that because i have found myself writing an email and then go wait a minute i already scheduled this one to go <laughs> that's out. hilarious yeah so um yeah email scheduling good idea 
Well, along those lines, I'm a big fan of scheduling things in Google Classroom. So that will be my segue into that. So, you know, I know every district and every school and every teacher kind of has their own system for, you know, electronic classrooms. What do we call those? LMSs, your learning Mm -hmm. management system. We are a Google district, so Google Classroom all the way. And my tip specifically is about using Google Classroom for not just your classes that you see every day in music class, but also other things. So my choir, I create a Google Classroom for them. Right now I'm doing a musical, so I have a Google Classroom specifically for my kids in the musical. It's just really helpful because then I can put everything there. I can dump it there, practice tracks, reminders, calendar schedules, announcements, and I've really trained my kids that when they're like, well, can we have a paper to practice this? I'm like, oh, look in the Google Classroom. So taking the time to set up a Google Classroom for your clubs and extracurricular groups is really, really helpful. And um, and then along your lines, scheduling posts there too. So I can schedule a practice track to drop for tomorrow because I know I'm going to teach it today and I don't want to put it there before the rehearsal. I want to wait till after the rehearsal, you know, so something like that where I can schedule those types of things is really helpful. Exactly. Yes. All right. More, more Google. More Google. Um, I am a fan of making Google Slides for specific concepts, Uh, not to use all in one, like here, second grade's coming in and here's all the half note things that I can, that I do. Um, I have like a Google Google Slide for specific rhythm, rhythm or melodic concepts. And so if I go into my Tita T Google Classroom slide deck, um, I've got the notation and stick notation. I've got the notation sometimes on the staff. I've got um, visual things that I've used, maybe poison pattern mini decks in there. So it's been very handy and helpful um, so that I can use my search in my Google Drive and say, all right, um, Tita T is coming up what things do I usually use? And it's all in one spot and I can pull from there and pull it into my daily slide deck that I use for my lessons. So yeah, yeah. that's awesome. All right, I got one more that's Google related too, because I know you can do this in Chrome. I'm sure you can do similar things in other browsers, but I'm a big fan of Chrome. So um, talking about organizing your bookmarks. So there's different ways you can do this. I'm a big fan of bookmark folders. So like on my work, Chrome, um, you know, I have a folder for things that are specific to our district. So how I check my email, how I access different district resources. Then I have a folder that's media. So it's got Spotify, YouTube, all the like players that I go to, right? So having bookmark folders is really helpful. Um, But another tip and trick that's fun, if you don't want to have things necessarily in folders, but your bookmarks are taking up way too much space and you want to condense them. When you're creating a bookmark for something like Spotify, for example, if you don't put a name in the bookmark, then all that's going to pop up in your bookmark tab is just a little icon for Spotify. So obviously you only want to do this for things where the icons are recognizable, you know, Apple, your Google Drive, Spotify, Outlook, those kind of things. Um, But it does save space on your bookmark bar because then you don't have the title, the long title of whatever it is. You have just a little picture and you know that Spotify, so you click on it and it's there. And that allows you to have more bookmarks across. So folders or just icons, those are two great ways to organize your bookmarks. Totally. Okay. All right. So this last category, we're just calling it productivity, organization, basically non-tech organization, and just things 
um, I don't know, productivity, things that save you time and energy, hopefully in the long run. So what you got there, Tanya? All right. Um, this is in the lines of personal organization and productivity. Um, set up everything you need to go to school the night before. Yeah. And my husband needs to learn this lesson because he is not a morning person and oftentimes does not have all the things. And morning time is not a good time for him to remember to have all these things. Um, I am a morning person and I still will forget. So, you know, I mean, all of the things like my computer is charged up. It's ready to go. My iPad that I use at school is ready to go. And everything like that is downstairs in a designated spot that's really close to where I go out into the garage. I make my lunch the night before. I even grind the coffee and our coffee maker, it is programmable so that it'll you can do auto program. So it'll, it starts brewing at 6.20 a.m. Um, because in the morning I wake up, I meditate, I, um, you know, shower, I, I do some things that I want to make sure I have a good amount of time for, and I just don't need to be rushing around trying to figure out what I'm going to eat for lunch. So I yeah. set up things the night before that goes for coats and car keys and like, cause the littlest thing will trip you up. Um, I even like think about, I don't necessarily set it out, but I think about what I'm going to wear the night before and I check mm -hmm. the weather because I tell you what I have made myself late by standing in front of my closet going hmm hmm you know so I just yeah. got to set up everything and I know that's very that's very beginner of me to mention this but if you're not doing oh. it it does save a lot of uh, a lot of stress in the morning because I do not need the morning stress yeah, especially if you have little kids, too, and you're trying to get yeah. them out of the door. Like, you and I are at a stage where we're not having to worry so much about that. But getting other people out the door, teenagers can be just as bad sometimes. So. Yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah, totally. What about well, you? along those same lines, I want to recommend that before you leave school for the day, you reset your room. Maybe not so like get everything out that you need the next day, but at least put everything away that you used that day. Um, to me, it's like a palate cleanser. If my desk is clear for the most part, if I've put away the things that I know I don't need tomorrow, puppets get put away, manipulatives get put away, instruments get put away, the floor is clear, whether it's a vacuum day or not, it just makes me feel so much better. And it generally only takes, you know, five to 10 minutes. This certainly could be something that if you have like a student helper or student jobs in your school, you know, you could arrange to have a student or two come and help you do this at the end of the day. But boy, it feels so good to walk in to a, a reset classroom in the morning on the next day. So unless I'm running off to an appointment or to pick a kid up from somewhere, um, I will take five to 10 minutes to make sure my room is pretty well reset um, before the next day. That feels good. Yep, me too. I try. I don't always get there. But I well, try. I don't either, but these are goals. <laughs> yeah. All right, what else? Um, my other big one is use your school time at school for things that you could only do at school. Yeah. I know it's a po popular idea that do everything at school and don't take anything home. I have to take things home. That's, yep. that's just the nature of my position and what I want to do. And if I didn't do some things at home, the stress that it would cause me would just bleed over into every part of my life. So I do do some planning at home, um, but I save school time for school things. We had a 
solid three days um, in January when we came back that I was very thankful for, where there was some PD that was offered. Um, and I know you did a fantastic uh, workshop on stations and centers. Oh. And uh, I was not able to go that, there because I had a meeting, but um, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> yeah, but I heard wonderful things. And uh, so we had some really good, solid time. And I used those, it was like two and a half days when I had my meetings and stuff all said and done. Um, I went in and I cleared out some things from a storage room that I hadn't been able to get to, from some cabinets that weren't really all the way looked through. Um, and that has paid off. I Every day at school, I'm still every day thinking, wow, I am so glad I did this thing because now I know that I have these rhythm cubes that I didn't know about. I found hand chimes that I didn't know about, which yeah. is like embarrassing because all last year I was like, I need hand chimes. Well, they were just like buried somewhere that I hadn't looked. Yeah. Anyway, so I think it's really beneficial to use those um, if you have to be like conferences for like a solid two or three hours, if you have planning days where you're given half the day in your room, use that time to do things that you can only do in your room. So yeah. when it comes to, am I going to plan the third grade mini musical during this time, or am I going to get in and do things in the mo in the room? I'm going to do things in the room. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Making copies, doing organization, those kind of things, getting stations out, whatever. Yeah. yeah. That has to happen at school, which is why I was for the long, longest time, I kept all my planning, like my personal books, like my Kodai song books and my song collection and all that stuff. I kept it at school because I really did want to try to get everything done at school. And then, of course, COVID happened and it all came home. And it hasn't gone back to school because the practicality is I do my long-term planning and really my lesson planning at home because I'm doing it all digitally anyways. So then my school time is organizational stuff, making copies, those kind of things. So. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So speaking of organization and finding a bunch of stuff, I want to talk about manipulatives for a minute because, man, it's easy to go crazy. Tanya and I both have a thing for mini erasers and foam shapes and all the things that we use, right? And so sometimes it can get a little out of hand. And so my tip is, and I have to tell myself this all the time, oh, nice heart things. Are those I, These are lying around in my personal office. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love it. Um, my tip is just to be careful about not buying every little manipulative and every little animal in shape. So specifically, like, not to buy it or create a manipulative that is specific to just one song or one activity, but to have manipulatives that can be used for multiple things. So, like, I'm much more likely to buy a bag of Apple mini erasers because I can get a huge bang for my buck with so many different Apple things or just fall-themed things, right, than buying, like... A a specific eraser well for example there are pizzas right now in target and tanya showed me a picture of them when she was at target and i was like how cute would that be for pizza pizza daddy oh but am i ever going to use them for any other song uh, maybe i mean if i made up a song about pizza or found another Carrie, song you can like, have a whole pizza themed lesson you i know really but the whole to... point is do i want to spend the money and more importantly find place to store those pizzas yeah, when know. i could do a so me dictation with the song pizza pizza but use just bingo chips or use stars or you know like it doesn't really matter so 
I, I like to buy manipulatives that are cute and fun and all these different colors and shapes, but I try to make sure I look for the ones that give me more bang for my buck because um, storage space is limited for those things. So that's my tip. Look for double duty manipulatives. <laughs> Don't and be tempted near... to buy things I for know. just one song. <laughs> I know, I know. And and I'm, I've been guilty of that. And um, But a little heads up i mean it's close to valentine's day if you're listening to this and um you know close to when we release it and hearts are good for so many things because the steady beat you can just this is the time to go if you really do want a set of hearts for kids to keep the steady beat if you want little eraser they've got those at target too and you can write ta on one side and tt on the other side and then another one can be tick tick on one side and t tick on the other side oh you could just go to town yeah um, and I it's did, hard I time did. here i bought a lot of hearts even though i have so many hearts but you know, know. but that, um, that's not something you could just get out just for valentine's day though no, that's the point no. you can use them all year long because heart right. represents beat in music so exactly yeah, yeah. But All right. Any other uh, productivity organization? Oh, well, the other one I have down here relates to something I already talked about, about setting small goals for small chunks of open times. Like I have in my school day, um, I, you know, I teach six classes a day and then I have some like tiny chunks, like here's 10 minutes in between these two classes instead of five. Um, and it, it's kind of like I gamify it for myself where um i go okay i have these 10 minutes i wonder if i can get out these three emails in the first five minutes before i have to run to the bathroom make sure that happens um so you know just set tiny little goals for just tiny little chunks of time if you're up for it maybe you're not maybe the fourth grade you know was didn't go the way you wanted and now you have to just take some mental time so yeah (laughs) Maybe, maybe you don't do that if, if something in the moment is, is trumping that idea. Uh, but whenever possible, I like lately it's been when I get to school, I have like 10 to 12 minutes before I have to go do duty. And I've been thinking, okay, these 12 minutes, let's see if I can get this thing printed and this thing copied and ready to go for, for third grade. Yeah. And, and that just, it's great. Cause it, it sets me up thinking I got that thing accomplished before I even did duty. Yep. You know. Yep. I do the same thing. Cause I, yeah, like you, I have a chunk of time before I do morning duty. So that's email time and, um, you know, check Google classroom, look for those kind of like comments and questions and answer all of that first. And then right after morning duty, I have my planning period too, like you. So then it's like, that's my time to make sure I have what I need for the day plan for the next day, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, yeah, kind of knowing in my head that this planning time is for this and this planning time is for that helps me not spiral out of control. Totally. Yeah. All right. Well, my last tip, I know I've mentioned this before. I think I've even made an Instagram post about it before. So at Most of my schools that I've worked at, I've been lucky to have a bulletin board right outside of my classroom that is mine. And um, so what I love to do on these bulletin boards is put extra copies of anything that I send home. So I'll take like a file folder and I'll staple it 
and that becomes like a pocket folder, you know? Um, so program letters, musical information, calendars, field trip permissions for anything I send home. I always make an extra 10 to 15 copies, put in a folder. So inevitably when a kid comes to me and says, hey, Miss Nicholas, do you have an extra copy? I say it's out in the bulletin board. And most kids have gotten good that they don't even have to come in and bother me because they know it's there. It's there when my room is closed and I'm teaching. They don't have to interrupt me. So having that bulletin board with papers that kids can easily grab or parents if they happen to be walking through the hallway is a lifesaver. So um, if you don't have a bulletin board, you can kind of create one on your own by, um, if you have like cinder block walls, hot glue is actually a really good thing to like hot glue folders onto the wall because the hot glue comes off cinder wall if you like scrape it afterwards, comes off really easily. Um, so you could hot glue folders if you're allowed to do that or set up a little table outside of your room if you have the real estate to do that. But something that's outside of your room that kids can help themselves to extra things is really a lifesaver. Yeah, I at my old too. school, I did not have, I had brick and like nothing was staying on the brick. Yeah. Uh, but we had a lot of music stands. So I took like three oh. music stands that I put right outside and I like, and I, you know, made a little label and like, here are the choir forms. The, here's the form for the symphony. Here are the song lyric sheets for fifth yeah. grade. Like, so I would just have them out there. That's smart. Or at least give your secretary, the office, you know, extra copies of things because inevitably parents will go to the office and say, hey, I need an extra copy. And then if the secretary has it, they can give it to the parents. So um, I do that in addition to having it in my classroom, but at least you can have little stacks by the office. So. All right, so those are our favorite tips from the trenches. We hope that one or more of those might be helpful to you and um, Keep doing what you're doing and use that time wisely. It's time for our Know Better, Do Better segment. Carrie, tell us something we need to know and we should do. Well, as you mentioned in our last podcast, we got to go see Brandy Waller-Pace do a workshop for the Rocky Mountain chapter of AOSA, and um, just so amazing, so many amazing resources and thoughts and conversations, and just really appreciate everything she did. But one big takeaway I wanted to share is something that I struggle with as a white music educator, and I know lots of music educators, white music educators struggle with this as well, because I've seen this question pop up, and I hear it asked all the time and there's no super awesome answer for it because it depends right on so many things but the question is basically how do i as a white music educator teach music of a culture that's not my own and not have it be inauthentic or um, cultural appropriation make sure it's more a cultural appreciation what do i do because i think it, it can very easily go into that appropriation category right where we make something very stereotypical and we teach very surface level and our kids don't get really good depth or you know worst case we are teaching something that's truly inauthentic that was like composed to be in the style of insert whatever here rather than a true authentic yeah. piece of music from that or culture. we don't do it at all because that's exactly away. Yeah. that's what i was going to say then the flip side is then we're nervous, we don't wanna do wrong, and so we just don't do it at all. And then we just end up teaching our kids a bunch of you know, European, Anglo-American folk songs, and then 
what are we doing? So this question was asked of Brandy, and I'm sure she gets asked it all the time, but I appreciate her succinct way of kind of saying, here's my recommendation. Again, all depending on exactly what it is you want to do. But it was kind of like she, she broke it down to three steps. Still do the thing. Tell your kids, this isn't my thing. And then show them somebody doing the thing that it is their thing. So um, I'll give an example of a way that I've applied this in my classroom. So um, there's an amazing book and song that I've mentioned on this podcast before called uh, Build a House by Rhiannon Giddens. And it's a beautiful song that she wrote during COVID with Yo-Yo Ma. And then there's a picture book that goes with it. And I absolutely love this song and this picture book. And, you know, it really tells the story of black Americans and, and, you know, all of issues of, you know, moving out of slavery. And then really it hones in on music that is from the black tradition that has been taken into the white tradition, specifically country and bluegrass music, because that's where Rhiannon Giddens' wheelhouse is. So all that to say, it's a beautiful song and it's a beautiful book. So what I've done with my students is I have showed them the book and I've sung them the song. And then I tell them, you know, this was written from the perspective of a black woman. I am not a black woman, but I want to share this with you. And then I show them a video of Rhiannon Giddens singing and playing the banjo. And it's a beautiful video with pictures from the book as well. Not that you shouldn't buy the book first, buy the book and then show them the video. Um, But the whole point is I don't want to shy away from introducing this beautiful song to them. And I did sing it for them and show them the book, but I made sure they understood that I didn't write this. This was written from the perspective of a black woman who's also a music musician. And here's her story. And here's her now telling her story. You could flip it and you could have, I could have showed them the video first, but I do like when I'm doing like a picture book like that I like to sing it first to the kids because then I can slow it down and I can point things out in the book and like take my time with it and then when we watch the video and hear her singing it you know then it just moves along and they've already heard it so that's an example of how I put that kind of three step process into practice in my classroom Um, but obviously doing a lot of research is part of that as well and making sure you know what you are doing and making sure you know what you're showing your students um, is appropriate and authentic but not to shy away from it was really the message that I got from Brandy is that we don't have to shy away from showing things that are outside of our own culture if we do our due diligence and then we show and of course live and in person would be the best right if you can bring in a culture bearer if you could zoom in someone to do a performance for your kids how cool is that but YouTube's a beautiful thing that's a great way to be able to show things that are authentic Um, so do your research but don't shy away from it So thank you to Brandy for a great workshop. That was one of my big takeaways. So if you haven't already gotten enough tips for you, here's one more. We're going to do a work smarter, not harder teacher tip. Another thing to make our teaching life easier. So go ahead, Tanya, what you got? Um, yeah, here's a bonus tip that I might've mentioned before, uh, but don't do anything in your classroom, in your school day that you could have a student do. Um, it's good to have students learn how to do some things and I'll be specific about it. Like for example, counting off, if you're in a circle and you're going to do a double circle situation and you want an inside circle and outside, I start off and I go, okay, you say inside, you say outside. You say inside and they count off, right? Mm -hmm. Or 
one, two, one, two, right? So as little as that, um, I'm doing this system with older kids called Music Money. And at the end of the week, after I've drawn and kids have picked prizes and all of that, then while that's happening, I have designated two kids who are loading the pocket chart for next week's class. Because counting out five of those dollars and putting them in those pockets, me alone, that takes a while. But if I have two kids doing it, they can do it. And you also have kids who love to do these things. Um, I have these rubber from the, that I had borrowed from the PE teacher, you know, these colored uh, kind of biggish sit spots for kids to use. Um, I use them in my room for a number of things. But one thing is that when we play boom whackers, I have them play on the sit spot on the rubber pad instead of on the, on the floor, because it's really loud. Hmm. Um, playing on the floor and, and yeah. not a great sound. And so, you know, when we're done with that, I like to put them in rainbow order. And so I have like, I, I try to get them like, if you have a red dot, put it in this pile. And then I have like two or three kids who are in charge of making sure that they're nice and neat. And you have kids who love to do that color coding um, and, and make things all nice and tidy. So don't do anything that you could designate to a kid, not just because it takes it off of you, but because kids need to learn how to do these things. And there are some kids where that's their jam. Mm -hmm. So give them that job. Yeah. Can I expand too to say parents Please. as well? Um, because sometimes you have parents who really, really do want to help. And so just having them come in and organize choir folders or just this last week, um, we have a watch, we do the watchdog dads program at our school, which is, you know, we encourage as male volunteers, whether it be dads, older brothers, uncles, grandpas, whoever, but it does encourage men to come in and volunteer because we know traditionally it's always women and moms who come in and volunteer, right? So anyways, we just happened to have a day where we had three watchdog dads in one day and I was like, hey, I bet at least one of you can help me with a little project and I had them help me pull black lights down that we had stored and we had to count and see how many of them were actually working and needed new bulbs and I, I mean, they did that and all three of them ended up doing it together and they did it in 10 minutes and it probably would have taken me at least an hour. So um, parents who are already in the building that you can just grab, or if you can arrange to have parents come in, that's also an awesome thing to do. But yeah, I agree. Student leadership and student jobs is huge at our school. So I heard recently in a training, like, if it doesn't take a college degree, <laughs> have someone else do it, have a kid do it, right? So yeah, good tip. Exactly. And it's time for our CODA section where we talk about something that we are enjoying in or out of the classroom, making our lives a little bit happier or interesting at least. <laughs> I'm making a face because mine is definitely not happier, but it's interesting. <laughs> so um, for anyone who likes true crime, hello. Um, there is a documentary. If you like true crime, I'm sure you've already watched it, um, but it's on Netflix and it's called American Nightmare. So yay Omar. for the good title. Um, it's just a three episode little mini series, but man, this story is really, really fascinating. It tells the story of a couple in California, Aaron Quinn and Denise Huskins, who um, their home was invaded in the middle of the night and Denise was taken and then later 
reappeared and so it's really billed and it was billed at this time as a real life gone girl situation because the book gone girl had and i'm not i think the movie had even been been released before this real life thing happened so basically they became suspects in their own attack and so it talks about the attack itself and the fallout and all the media circus around it and very sad story disturbing story but if you like true crime it was just really really well done um and i enjoyed it and it's three episodes and i watched it all at once because you know that's how i roll um but there you go <laughs> if, if you're into true crime american nightmare on netflix so i liked good. gone girl i i think i read it twice even yeah um, am i allowed to watch this or is it too much for me I think it's too much for you, Tanya, but I can tell you off mic, like the end. Tell, yeah, I can tell you, you can the end me. of what happened in real life, and then you can decide if you want to watch it. Okay, because this is this could be on the edge for me. It could I know, be like... and that's how I wasn't in, pulled into it. Was like, ooh, real life Gone Girl. Because I, yeah, I absolutely love both the book and the movie of Gone Girl. Um, and so I was like, oh, what's this all about? And then of course the real life version is way more disturbing. Um, so that's hard. It's a hard pill to swallow, but um, all right. it's well done. It's well done. I'll, I'll give them that. So there you go for what it's worth. All right. Is yours happier than mine? <laughs> it is. It's very light. <laughs> Good. Um, yeah. So uh, I was hanging out with my mom and my sister um, very recently, and we like to play games. We play a lot of word games because we're kiki like that. And uh, my mom had a new game that we tried out called Blank Slate, which is really simple. And you need three or more players to play it. And it's everyone has a little slate board with a little dry erase marker. And there's cards and you flip over a card and it'll say like blank egg. And everybody writes down like an idea of what they, you know, could be Easter egg or bad egg or good egg or whatever people you write down one thing right yeah. and then when everyone's done you show and if you match with one person you both get three points if you match with more than one person you each get one point there's a lot of times that nobody matches which is kind yeah. of funny um and then you know you just play until someone gets 25 points and all the cards are just like each one is 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 different and you know it leads to kind of like oh yeah for for me and my sister and my mom it led to a lot of like songs song titles oh. and stuff and and like anyway it was just a cute fun super easy game there's no strategy except for think about what somebody else might answer and try to match with them cool and, uh, yeah easy peasy fun all right We've reached the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. Show notes can be found at musicteachercoffeetalkpodcast.com. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Just look for Music Teacher Coffee Talk. If you enjoyed this show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this podcast. And we always appreciate folks buying us a coffee, so look for that link on our show notes and on our Facebook page. Until next time, this is Tanya. And this is Carrie wishing you happy musicking. Mm -hmm.